1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: Sports Radio 610 presents Seth Payne and Sean Pendergast. We
3: coming to
4: Ace town
3: Let's get the work in, man. Let's go. When it came down to it, there is no place I wanted to be any more than H-Town. So it was an easy, it was an easy pick for me. It was a no-brainer to be here, all right, be home. It was a no-brainer. So it wasn't a, a difficult decision at all. It was very easy.
2: That was D'Amico Ryan's yesterday. That was music to Texan fans' ears. When was the last time somebody said something was a no-brainer about the Texans and it was something In a positive way, for
3: good? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think
5: um, I look. I, I noticed two schools of people before and after the press conference. Um, there were some of the people that I interacted with who obviously hadn't watched the press conference, and then there were those who had. And uh, those who had, it was just obvious what a difference this was. Even as they couched it by saying, hey, I know press conferences don't tell the whole story by any stretch of the imagination. And yet, I think there are certain things, regardless of how this comes out with winning or losing, there are certain things you can tell about D'Amico that confirm all the other things that people have said about him. So I think that for the people that either don't know D'Amico or didn't really pay attention that much uh, when he was a player to anything other than what was on the field, I think that it was probably nice for a lot of people to kind of hear D'Amico talk and have for them validation of like what I've been saying about him or what form- other former teammates have been saying about him. So that part was really cool. The other part that I was really took me by surprise was um, how loose – Nick Casario was yes and and that's again where I could tell the people who had watched it and hadn't watched it because people hadn't watched the press conference were asking things like well how's gonna how's Nick gonna suppress his ego and which I've never I've never quite understood that argument to begin with I've never really sensed the huge ego at all out of Nick Casario um but if that was a concern of yours and you watched D'Amico and Nick Casario up there together they looked like uh it looked like Will Farrell and uh, the the dude from Step Brothers there, John C. Riley. John C. Riley. Yeah. After after they got friendly, right? Like after right. they became best friends. Yeah. They had so many they're like Cal, Cal. We've got so many projects, Cal. <laughs> Cal, can we have some extra money for the sports science department? Right. There's so many
2: activities. Yeah. We got so
5: many activities to do.
2: It was cool. Yeah. It was that you're right. That part was cool to see because I think that's <clears throat> that's a big question a lot of people have is how are those two going to work together? And I was watching. That's the prism I was watching the press conference through yesterday, Seth. Is I, I, I I was pretty confident we were going to get really good answers from D'Amico Ryans about things. I was really confident that I was going to come away feeling great about D'Amico Ryans. I already felt great about him. I knew the vibe in the room would be amazing with so many former
5: players there. My there were God. 432 of us. <laughs> That's, what it, That's what it felt like. like it yeah. was crazy. No, but it were, there were quite a few former players. It was cool.
2: But you're, you're absolutely right. And we'll, we're going to talk to Nick Casario in about 90 minutes. He's going to join us at 730 on the show today. He was much looser. He he joked around more in that press conference than he has in press conferences, all the previous ones combined.
5: Right. And, you know, I think one criticism of Nick Casario that we get a lot often is, okay, it's word salad. He's just saying a lot so he doesn't have to say anything, which, again, I disagree with that partly. I think there are times where he, he's filibustering because of the whatever question you ask him, but he does usually give a pretty good kernel of an answer. Mm-hmm. Um People who said word salad, like when I was doing my stream afterwards, there were a few people that said, or on Twitter, I responded about how loose Nick was, and people commented word salad. And I'm like, no, you didn't, you didn't watch. There wasn't a, like a hint of it. It was really just. It felt like two guys who just wanted to get back to working on football, absolutely, like in a good way. Like, like they weren't impatient or anything. They just, I, and I'm, I'm so glad to see that because I felt this, that I felt like D'Amico and Nick. We're going to be very much similar in the way they approach. You football. called it. You, yeah. you,
2: you you have been on
5: this train from the very beginning. <laughs> I yeah. I it's this is the thing about both these guys. They are like the epitome of hey, keep keep focused, keep your eye on what the big goal is, and try not to get distracted by stuff that doesn't matter. No. And I think D'Amico as a coach is very much that way you know i like i like evaluating the, the coachisms that guys use and uh, i like D'Amico's coachisms i like for one i like his acronym swarm swarm can, can i just tell you yeah which is it stands for
2: it stands for um uh i know that it's it's relentless mindset is the Is the uh is the RM.
5: SMART. Hold on a second. It's a very effective acronym. I've had two hours of sleep, everybody. Same. Okay. (laughs) Same. So uh Swarm is special work ethic, relentless mindset. Special
2: work ethic and relentless (laughs) mindset. Yeah. Uh, But here's what I liked about it.
5: Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah.
2: I didn't even know it was an acronym until somebody posted uh like a JPEG of it on Twitter today. I just when I heard Swarm, I'm like, oh, he likes his defense to swarm. Not like Eberflus, who's like, we subscribe to an acronym called HITS. and it actually
5: stands for uh, hypochondriac. didn't even notice it was an acronym.
2: Maybe I'm just a dummy, and that's the moral of the story, but yeah. Well, that, you know they've
5: talked about it before. Uh, you, like they, it's been a it's been a, a talking point, or and you know people have it. written articles about it. So it's enough. I just I I I had a little I had the crib notes, Sean. Yeah, I had the crib notes. Well, yeah. So the swarm has a double meaning, which yeah. is nice, or it means exactly what it is, as opposed to like if it was if, if like it, the acronym is ERCOT uh, <laughs> to stand for energy relentlessness. <laughs> hey, wait a second, cold. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um but D'Amico D'Amico though yeah. which is an acronym for oh, yeah. son of a that's backpack just a, fell on the floor backpack with all my high-tech equipment yeah if D'Amico Sorry. could see me now I'd be a mess I was taking notes on my phone because I got in and I was sitting next to Whitney Merciless having a nice chat with him mm-hmm. and uh he looks of course uh, he's as you might have predicted he was one of the guys that uh his uh, his body has fared pretty well in retirement he's lost <laughs> there's weight. a shock he yeah. hasn't gotten fat. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I was talking to him, then I realized I didn't have my computer out when everything started, so I just started taking notes on my phone. But then I got paranoid because you know it's Coach D'Amico up there. Oh. I didn't want, I didn't want the Mico, <laughs> see you on your phone. It's normal in press conferences now for them to see reporters down on in their computers or on yeah. their phones tweeting the new and everything. Yeah. But I didn't want him to think I was that guy. I was sitting with the players yesterday.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
5: yeah. I Had to make the choice. It was yeah. almost like I was uh, I was like uh, the good king. What's his face? Who was trying to decide? Uh, you know whether to cut the baby in half or not right you know right. how that old story goes <laughs> sure you bad catholic <laughs> yeah and uh and i decided and i said i <laughs> i love D'Amico, so i will not cut the baby in half but, yeah. i will sit with the players yeah and i will forsake the media you sat with your old friends thanks a lot yeah yeah well you know whitney wasn't even it, it's ironic obviously whitney didn't play with domico because they shared the same number that's
2: right. That's right. He got, yeah, his rookie year, Yeah. De, Whitney's rookie year was the first year D'Amico was gone. That's but right. But I think
5: he knows him just from being in Houston. Oh, sure. Uh, Kenyon Green was there in attendance. He's hey, a at number sure, 59. Number, yeah. Landry's got a nice For ticket. now. I'm going to leave that alone because Landry, Landry had a take about that. Uh, like, I didn't want to, I'll let, well, no, 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 I'll say Landry probably tweeted it or talked about it last night. Okay, so Landry thinks that Kenyon Green should give up the number 59 uh, out of respect to D'Amico Ryans. I, th- I thought that was... Over the top. And I didn't think it was anything that D'Amico would actually want or suggest. He'd probably feel pretty awkward about it if somebody suggested it to him. But then after I saw them present D'Amico with a number 59 jersey that said coach on the back, I was kind of like, yeah, Kenyon's got to change his number. He's got to, I think D'Amico should should go baseball and wear a football uniform on the sidelines. Yes! He should... a full uniform a full uniform pads and everything every even more pads tailbone pad everything hip pads Neck roll. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> yeah Four our pads yes yes. <laughs> yes he needs to go 1972 I like it I like it a lot he is old school you know how I'll see he's old school how sorry it's going to be a stream of consciousness that's all right
2: there's work. nothing on the rundown except a bunch of cuts in Nick so and
5: Brooks cabin this is as excited as I've been this, since that this first is playoff win fertile empty yeah.
2: prairie in front of us here so, buddy
5: I, taking notes so I got so much good stuff coming out I mean um <laughs> so, <laughs> Go ahead. What were so you as far say? as old school old school yeah oh when he said um somebody asked him about quarterbacks fancy that and for one D'Amico is very respectful and saying hey we have a quarterback on the roster right now and he also was saying it it was it was cool to it's cool to get somebody that's coming from San Francisco um, and a couple things were evident. One, it's that D'Amico has studied offensive football, not just in the Kubshanistan system, but also he's he's played for Andy Reid and Chip Kelly and learned from them too. So I am going to relax a little bit on my uh, intensely nationalistic love for Kubshanistan a little bit. Okay, I might. I've got friends who are not Kubshanistani, so. <laughs> Uh, I'm there. There's my so level respectful. of, there's my level of fear of outsiders. Right I got gotcha, you.
2: I got gotcha. you. Okay. Well, let's, so, uh, wait, yeah, yeah. Go what ahead, was that?
5: So. What was I on my way to before I, uh, you talked about D'Amico that? being old school. Oh, old school. Think, okay. Yeah. So, so they were talking about San Francisco. I swear I'm just going to shut up after this. too much. kombucha. <laughs> no, you're not too much kombucha this morning. So, uh, it's not an alcoholic for the most part. So he's old school. He used a, a term, uh, that I loved that I don't think I've heard in a while, Uh, was he said, okay, so yeah, your, your quarterbacks get injured. And he kind of talked, he alluded to San Francisco. He's like, what are you going to do? Just book it. And like just take off and run? I don't know if I've heard people use that. Maybe book it's come- it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's come back in and it's being used in some I lyric right now. Like but- I was ten years old when but I was I like, that's it. right, you don't just book it. You go yeah. out there and play. Yeah and if Brock Purdy doesn't injure his hand, right. yeah, you, you know, like they assumed they went in with their third string rookie seventh round pick into that game and they expected to win the football Absolutely. game. Absolutely. So that mentality it's nice to have when it's backed by some substance right as opposed to some vague idea that Jackie's should be picked up in a pamphlet. somewhere. <laughs> okay. We are off
2: and running big time on a football Friday here. Brooks Cabina jumps in with us at the bottom of the hour. He's in studio with us. He was there yesterday asking questions. Houston Chronicles, Brooks Cabina and Nick Casario joins us at seven 30 on the show today. So we'll, uh, we're gonna take him to task, clean up some of the loose ends from yesterday, and yeah, really put his feet to the fire today.
5: <laughs> I'm so I'm so happy for Nick Casario. He looks like he's just like, oh, I can just nerd out on football now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's found his guy. He's got you know what? He's got a guy who can handle the other stuff that comes up. Right? Like, okay, the two a.m. calls about like, hey, this player was caught doing like you're not even gonna believe it, Coach. Um, like that's that's not really Nick Casario's concern as much anymore. No, he yeah. can just you're, you're right. Yeah. Actually,
2: he can just grind on film. Uh, all right, so he'll join us at seven thirty. Um, But up next, let's go to what Seth just talked about. A lot of people have questions about what's going to happen at quarterback with this team, what's going to happen with the coaching staff. D'Amico Ryans was asked about both of those things yesterday, and
1: we will have that for you next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive.
0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Sports Radio 610 presents Pain and Pendergast. All right, we uh, just
2: talked in the open. Uh, Seth talked about a a, a thought that D'Amico Ryans had yesterday at his press conference. I did? When he was asked, you did, when he was asked um, about the importance of the quarterback position. I think it was Brian T. Smith might have asked this question. The importance of the quarterback position. What are you going to do at quarterback? And here's what D'Amico Ryan's had to say.
3: We understand. We have one quarterback here on our roster, and we have to add more at that position. And we know everybody gets excited about the quarterback. The quarterback is one piece to a team. As I've seen in San Francisco, all right, what happens when you don't have that one guy? Is the season over? Are you just booking it? And No. How do you build around right build around that quarterback yes we want a great quarterback but no we need a great offensive line to protect the quarterback we need great running backs great tight ends great rece- we need a great defense special teams we all play together and that's the awesome part about football is it's not on one guy's shoulder to go out there and win the game for us. so it's all about building around Right, each other, right, and playing together—that's how we'll win games. You
5: know, and and again, like that's not a revolutionary approach to it. I think uh, most coaches would give some version of it. The two things that stood out to me in contrast to say some other coaches that we've had here is that, like, he didn't. Did it ever feel like he was talking down to you about how you know there's more to it than just finding the quarterback? Never. And and, and again, like some of these little things, like it just acknowledging. Like, these little people skill things. Like, acknowledging he understands it's a concern of people. We should bring D'Amico in on our um, apology analyses. Oh, yes. Because they feel like he's got a lot of this stuff down pat. In yeah. In terms of, like, yes, I, listen, I acknowledge you. And I've seen him. I've watched a lot of press conferences with him. And there have been times where they've been critical of him uh, as a defensive coordinator. And he is so much the opposite of Bill O'Brien in so many ways. Opposite of Lovey too. Because, you know, Lovey would, get, Lovey would bristle, too. Oh, yeah. Because like, I've told you guys. I was a, a veteran player screaming at D'Amico Ryans uh, as he was trying to call a play the first time he was starting in practice as rookie year. And he had this look in his eyes like, um, basically like, I... Uh, I love this rhinoceros. I'm gonna shoot it, but I don't. I don't enjoy doing it. I'm just gonna to have to. I'm gonna put it down with tranks. Is what he would have thought, you know? Like there was no part of him that was was, was like responding to it. Like right. it was non-reactive in a good way. But um, so there's that. But then as far as talking about that philosophy of building around the quarterback. It comes with more authority because of his experience in San Francisco, because he's coming fresh off of a place that has done pretty well shuffling guys in through. I If I'm Nick Cassero and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, man, John Lynch has whiffed hard on a few of these things, but, but they've still produced with these various quarterbacks. And I think you're able to appreciate the other work that John Lynch does because they've put together a hell of a team out oh, there. yeah, Partly by scouting but partly by just coaching it really well on offense and defense so I think that that I feel that D'Amico has that experience and has thought about it and he's seen different offenses do it multiple ways but that yeah the quarterback is one part of you can't rely on your quarterback being superhuman and that is that is a hallmark of Cube Sanistan is that you never want to you never want to put players in a position where you have to rely on their superhuman ability to win the game for you that's right what are you doing as a coach if you can only win with superhumans on there, right. you know, or, and superhumans sometimes your superhumans aren't going to be superhuman. That's right. That's right. So ask me. Do I walk in here every single day superhuman? No. I'd say 60% at best of my days.
2: <laughs> right, right.
5: You got 180 days a year. So
2: when you're not here, we just swap somebody in and the thing just keeps on moving. <laughs> like a bro- 100- we bring in a Brock Purdy. It's Purdy and Pendergast. Yeah.
5: And before anybody accuses not me. not true, of- by the way. Anybody- you are a
2: difference maker. I just want you to know.
5: Before anybody accuses me of not being superhuman, when I said 60%, I meant 180 out of like the 240 work days. Right, 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 right. Not the 365. So let's see. That would be 75%. So I'm 75 percent superhuman. I would say on yeah. work days. Might, I
2: think you're selling yourself a little short, honestly.
5: I'm in the weekend. On the weekend, I'm superhuman for about seven to nine minutes. on yeah. Friday night. Same. And then <laughs> seven to nine minutes, yeah. huh? Not bad. Uh, all right. Um, it's a lot of what passes for foreplay in my household. <laughs> 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 some you know, some some nice compliments and yeah uh, right 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 drug her up with some some sauvignon, yeah. and sauvignon there Blanc there we go that's what, that's it's my wife it everybody right God. right
2: right it's so they're into what they're into we've been married a long time um, <laughs> I'm gonna get to D'Amico's offensive anything philosophy.
5: to dull my feelings for you Seth
2: <laughs> D'Amico Ryan's was asked about his offensive philosophy. Yesterday, is this it, it, does this sound like somebody who's going to employ a Coop Shanna system
3: for your question on offensive staffing? Right, we're still going through that process. We want to find the best staff, right, that complements each other and the best staff to support our players. So we're still going through that process. How I envision the offense looking, right? We want to play with precision. We want to play with effort. We want to play with physicality. So with that being, we want to own the line of scrimmage. We want to establish the run game first, but we want to be balanced, right? We want to be able to operate with play action pass, right? We also want to be efficient. We want to have explosive playmakers who we can get the ball to. If it's not down the field, we want to be able to throw, as you see, throw a check down, right, and put it in the hands of an explosive playmaker and see him create. So there, everything about our offense, we want to make sure that we're adaptable to the players that we have making sure we're playing to the strengths of our players, getting the ball in our playmaker's hand and letting them make plays. Dude, there was a lot of adjectives used there.
5: Yeah, yeah. And again, you know, some of that is just cliche coach speak because you're not going to give a bunch of details. Plus, you don't exactly know... You know, good coaches don't go into a season thinking, no matter what our personnel is, this is what we're going to run. Yeah, you got to stick and move a lot of times.
2: What were the things that he said in there that are Koob specific
5: The uh, play action and the explosivity. Bingo! Because And uh, the check
2: down and get it in the hands of some guys. Well, get in the
5: hands of... Well, and that's the thing. Because of the play action and because of explosive downfield plays, yeah. that is what theoretically, and in the case of San Francisco, allows you to throw short of the sticks. On third and long. That's right. Because, because your you're, teams are playing coverages where they're, one guy's going to have to make a tackle on the receiver. And if it's a guy that's big and physical, the way a Koop uh, receiver tends to be, those guys are are able to drag that extra two yards. So you don't get frustrated. You're like I'm, I'm going to tell everybody right now, you actually are not philosophically opposed to throwing short of the sticks. You are philosophically opposed to Failing when you throw short of the sticks. Yes. If it, if it's executed properly, if if executed if done properly, no can defend. You're, I I quote the crane. I quote Mister Miyagi, yeah. a famous Kubshanistanian yes. yes, right. Yes, from he's, Okinawa,
2: the yep. Okinawa branch. He is a he's a sensei of the Kubshanistani karate style. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think mostly people are not fans of throwing short of the sticks to Rex Burkhead more than anything else. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. probably. A covered Rex Burkhead, yeah, which is really the definition of Rex Burkhead. At the end, I don't recall <laughs> many times seeing him running free in that's the open field, run after the catch.
5: Where <laughs> is, is rack numbers on old? Uh... I, I don't
2: want to look. I, Seth, we're moving forward. I did not. That was did... the theme of yesterday: is we're moving forward.
5: Did anybody have the guts to ask a Rex Burkhead question yesterday? The answer is no. No,
2: they didn't. They, you know what didn't get asked about? Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks. Well, yeah. I'm, that's good. They left only... meat on the
5: bone for you and me today with uh, with Nick. Pretty much everybody just had one question apiece because yeah. there were a lot of media a lot there of people, there, and man. uh so i mean like i don't think I did, not too many softball questions there were a couple like how's it feel and isn't this special but other than that like pretty good questions they just weren't wasn't that much time yeah. they get back to grind and film fellas yeah that's it that's it
2: so it was good day yesterday out there at nrg stadium all right um 713 that's the trailer wheel and frame text page a lot of comments about uh, Nick and Cal and just how much looser they seemed. Uh, the text, text message six six three five. Nick looked happy and like phew. <laughs> That's what it's happy and like phew. He looked chill af. Uh, the uh, let's see six one five six. Even Cal seemed more confident and relaxed. He didn't sound like a robot. Yeah, I thought everybody look. It's easier to feel that way on a day that is universally. Uh, acclaimed as a great day for the franchise all right uh, Brooks Cabina Houston Chronicle is going to jump in with us in studio here next we'll get his thoughts on yesterday's press conference where the Texans go from here with D'Amico Ryans as the new head coach of the football team stay there
0: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours
2: Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. Payne and Pendergast on a football Friday. We are uh, just one day removed from the D'Amico Ryan's press conference. Great press conference yesterday. A lot of optimism, a lot of hope coming out of that. Nick Casario joins us in a little under an hour here on the show. 7.30, the Texans GM will be on with us right now. Kind enough to shuffle his Friday schedule around for the Texans GM and i know that uh before the press conference yesterday he and nick had words about this <laughs> Brooks Cabina, of the Houston Chronicle. Was it a cordial conversation that you had with Nick about having to move out of the parking spot at 7.30?
4: No, nah, we gloved up. We had a throwdown. We had You're a throwdown uh, throw in the top. cafeteria. Oh, okay. It was... Throwing <laughs> pots and pans at each other. Jim Ursay would have gone uh,
5: bare knuckles on you. Yes. Yes. Jim Ursay probably believes that he won the bare knuckles championship in 1898. Is <laughs> that <laughs> In his mind, It he was a was hallucination there, yeah. he had. We one went court. 173 rounds. <laughs> People yeah. are upset about Jeff Saturday getting a third interview. <laughs> right.
4: Yeah, nah, really they know. don't know
5: what it was like. Yep,
3: yep. Yeah.
4: But you guys are cool. Yeah. No, I was like, I and I, I set the five a.m. alarm, and he's like, "Welcome to my world." Yeah, like, yeah, I'm gonna need a whole fridge of Red Bulls. So there you go. Here we are. I feel good though. I feel like I normally than my seven fort seven twenty. Yeah, yeah. Feel yeah. Like I Feel like, more uh, energized. You feel you know?
5: invigorated that there's actually it feels like a pulse. It's, there is um, a pulse. Yeah, and like the right kind of pulse, not a like a zombie pulse or whatever goes right. on with that stuff. Like yeah. an actual pulse from an actual. Football coach who's intended to be there for a long time. Yeah. For
4: all the context of yesterday. That was my main takeaway from um, one of the main takeaways from being there yesterday with all the former players, all the current players that were there too. Um, it's just the context of this moment like is so huge for the, for the Texans. It was the most meaningful hire they could possibly have. And it worked out to the point where this team needed that kind of coach who wanted them. I mean, that was what was the biggest thing. He he says, Coming after the coming off the field, the practice field on that Friday before the Cowboys divisional round game, and Nick Casario is the one that told the story up on stage. He's like, and uh, he comes off the field, um, goes in, does the zoom at the end of it. Says, "I I want to come back home. Let's make that happen." Yeah. So any question of whether he wanted this job or not towards the beginning, that that. That's wrong. He I was mean, like he a wanted, sales
5: guy asking for the order. It, it was really it was horrible <laughs> negotiating. Like it was, he was, please he, give me the job. He
4: was, yeah, yeah.
5: He was like, I don't. Uh, no, and then he turned down a couple of interviews. And I like, I'm, I'm joking about yeah. the negotiating part of it because he had some very good leverage on, sure. the, on, on the Texans. But, um but yeah, I it's Brooks in. This is the thing. Most NFL head coaches, almost all of them, are mercenaries. Right. They're going to go where the situation is best, where they can coach the best, but it has very little to do with the actual place other than the owner and all that stuff. That's what felt so unique in a good way about yesterday was, okay, this is a, this is an NFL coach that actually specifically wanted to be here with this franchise in this city. Yeah. And you, you really don't get that all that often.
4: No, and this is a team that whenever, I mean, from all the national perspective, you just all this is like, oh, they've had... He'll be their fourth head coach in four years. Like this team doesn't keep uh, you know coaches more than one year, and then he's he, he's they're going to have to really convince him how to do this and all that. Being equal with the candidate that didn't have a tie to a team and maybe it wasn't their dream job, that might have been true. Yeah, but they needed to the Demiko Ryan's. Demiko Ryan's wanted to uh, go to the Texans. He ended up with a six-year contract. So to speak, to the negotiation of it, there are things that he needed protections for and secured. So yeah. worked out in those angles, but. I mean, to have that scenario and then you're in the context of the moment like this kind of falls in almost perfectly for the Texans as they're ready to ramp up and be a competitive team again. the other thing, part of that story, I got a chance to talk to D'Amico after the press conference a little bit. He said whenever he was, um, he had that Zoom meeting planned. Right. So like, you know, there's always that balance between interviewing and coaching for a team in the playoffs and he balanced that really well. But he was like, you know, the practice went late that Friday and he was like oh, checking his watches. Oh, yeah. Like, okay. All right, I got that interview and then it was like thirty minutes like he had to run, he had to book it to use the book it yeah. you had to go to take a shower, get ready. He didn't even he had notes, but he didn't get to his notes. And he's just sitting down there. He's like, Okay, all right, let's just go. And Don't sometimes kidding. it's better in an interview. You're For like, sure. you're just yeah. talking off your uh what what you know and just lean on yourself. So the the interview weren't great and they basically wanted to uh, get everything done right then. So I mean all the excitement exuding from that Friday. Kind of carried over to here, so um, interesting to see just the looseness. How they, how Kyle McNair, Nick Casario talked about the moment. Uh, they looked very um, collaborative together, and those are words that Casario continues to use. And um, I mean, that's that's what they've got ahead for them. Yeah. Uh,
2: I, so I want to get your reaction to a few of the clips. Yeah. We've, you know, we've got Nick coming up at seven thirty, so we're going to be our cup is going to overflow with with audio on the show today. So I do want to make sure. We get to some of these. So, A, the audience can hear them, but a couple specific ones I wanted to get your reaction to as well, Brooks. Um, and I know you liked this one too yesterday, Seth, mm-hmm. talking to you after the press conference. Um, when D'Amico Ryans was asked about what he's taken from, when did he want to start coaching? He said he want to start coaching. When I was a player, he was looking through that prism, and he talked about all the different things he took from the various coaches that he played for and has been around through the years.
3: Because I've become a head coach and I've been around a lot of different coaches, I, I always take what I learn from each place I've been. Right, when I first started here with Coach Gary Kubiak, right, he taught, taught us how, what a first-class organization looked like. Right, he taught us, Gary Kubiak taught us, you treat players as men first. Right, I learned that from Gary. Moving on to Philadelphia, being around Andy Reid, I learned from Andy Reid how to be a great teacher, Right. Andy was an awesome teacher, but he's also a protector of his players. So you'll never see me throwing a player under the bus. It'll always be about protecting our players first. And with Coach Chip Kelly, what I learned from him, he was a master motivator, but he was also a very an innovator. And Chip Kelly, he didn't waste he was always on the cutting edge, right? Always looking for ways to get better with sports science, technology. And I, I take things that I learned from all these men and that's how I feel like you build an organization, right? You build a first-class organization, right? You protect your players, be a great teacher, motivate them, and do everything to be adaptable, to change, and make sure we have the best things for our players when it comes to sports science and technology.
4: See, that has a lot, to me, stuck out with whenever I was wondering about his experience level. You look Mm -hmm. at, like, oh, he's only been a two-year defensive coordinator. He's been around all those head coaches and it's notable that they're all pretty much offensive guys, and the other thing too, is that it's not in that clip, but D'Amico later said like the whole reason he got into coaching was to help players., he yes. mentioned Brian Cushing, he mentioned Jordan Hicks, who was with the Eagles, and to go into coaching to develop players, he had that whole story about Fred Warner and how he was hands on with him and helped him as a third rounder, reached a two time all pro like all those things treating players like men, being a great teacher protecting them not throwing them under the bus and then using the resource around that you have in the modern age of football which the texans have plenty of he's going to be able to use use those things and help the players that they that's all it's about because they're about to draft a bunch of other players 11 more draft picks if they use all of those they probably won't probably trade a lot of to trade up again like they did last year and then all the free agents that they'll sign those are those are huge things and he named three that were specific and they were all rookies Derek yeah. stingley Christian Harris, and Jalen Petrie, and obviously all defensive guys. So, those are going to be things that he's definitely going to be uh, taking on for himself, along with the defensive staff he creates.
5: Yeah, and I think that that by far the biggest concern people have with D'Amico, at least from what people send my way is the fact that he's a defensive coach at all.
4: I asked you that too. <laughs> yeah.
5: Um oh yeah you did. Yeah, yeah. Um no 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 it's a valid concern. I get it. I get concerned about it because right. I think I think a lot of defensive coaches flat out don't have an actual plan for how they're going to address that deficiency. Mm-hmm. I think they I think they hodgepodge a little too much and they end up being classical defensive coaches where they're overly conservative. Um, they're more concerned with not making mistakes and being aggressive on offense. Yesterday Made me feel very much like that's an unwarranted concern when he started talking about a Andy Reid and Chip Kelly and B the sports science part of it. I think that D'Amico um, is obviously very open and receptive to that side of it, which includes the analytics of going forward on fourth down, going for touchdowns instead of field goals, all of that. Um, and I so that that I'm not as concerned about. Obviously, you still got to find offensive coordinators, replace them, and, and cultivate them, but that's another right. story.
4: Yeah, that's that's the thing is I still am curious about what their offensive staff is going to be and how much experience that person has as a play caller. I mean, if Bobby Slowick comes in, which would be uh kind of the obvious connection with the forty ers then you know, that is someone that's coming up within the ranks and they have the ability to communicate. We talked about this last week, Seth, where you were saying like coaches have to coach players too. I mean I mean coaches have to learn how to coach coaches. Yeah. yeah. And that would be an easy connection for them because they are familiar with each other. When then Bobby Sloak, if he were to then eventually become someone who leaves, he'd be able to teach the next person mm-hmm. too. So if it goes to somebody else that's outside the connections between D'Amico Ryan's and Nick Casario, even that would be something that would be mo- mostly up up to that person too. But the yeah, the other thing I wanted to get back to because y'all were talking about the quarterbacks, yeah, um, they were. D'Amico Ryan said you got to build around a quarterback. That's not you know breaking news The other coaches who were here have said that too but I think it's notable to point out that no team is really invested in quarterback as much as the 49ers have Mm -hmm. I mean to be fair like Purdy was playing seven games into that playoff run but they traded they traded uh, John Lynch traded three picks basically first round picks including the one that they had in 2021 to trade up and get Trey Lance Mm -hmm. they traded and signed Jimmy Garoppolo to a five-year, $125 million deal. Yeah, yeah. Like, they invested in the quarterback. Right, so yeah. it's not like the the Texans are going to be like, no, you know, we're not they, really going to do that. We're not, they didn't else.
2: try to Brian Hoyer
5: their way through. Right. Yeah, no, no, no I mean, they it, invested it, it, in
4: quarterbacks yeah. in San Francisco.
5: That's what we've learned from Kupchanistan is that, yes, it's, it's awesome at getting you to a certain level, but to get over the top, you need that extra little of bit of something. You know, that's why... That's why you trade. That's why the Rams trade away golf yep. and and bring in somebody that they think can just get them that little bit extra. Yeah. But right. as far as but if you have I, I, the goal is to be like, look at what San Francisco was this year. They're an NFC championship caliber team, possibly more if Brock Purdy stays healthy without really having either of their chosen top guys there. Yeah. Like you want to be that good and then add the guy on top. Yep. Right. Uh,
2: Brooks, you're familiar with the nation of Kubshanistan, the Kubiac Shanahan tree. If you stand
4: for Kubiak or Shanahan, system, R- right? I, I believe as a Houstonian, I'm a, I'm a citizen in some ways. You so. are, yeah. no doubt. Yeah. You,
5: you, I don't know if you're naturalized. That's a whole other debate. Really. I, feel yeah, like I,
2: if you, know. I feel like so, if you've yeah. covered the Texans for How any bit of time, card in the last waiting couple waiting years, do realize, I have a work visa you right you
4: need, now as a journalist? Yes, you, you do. need to be a natural
5: born Kubshanistan. Do I have
4: amnesty as a journalist, or do I get you know? Do I have to? But do I get run out? Do the coaches want the journalists around like, in Kupshanistan? This whole thing.
5: Just like the actual Constitution, there's no real definition for what a natural born citizen of Kupshanistan <laughs> right, right. is. Seth just declared <laughs> himself president. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no election. I can basically, whichever, uh, whatever the polls are telling me is what uh, is is That's right. uh, what declares it. Yeah.
2: That's right. You better write nice things about it, though. That's what I tell you. Oh, man. Um. So.
5: Kupshanistan is as much in here. <laughs> Pointing to my heart as it touching is. touching his chest. Out here. That's right. Yeah. That's right.
2: Um, Brooks Cabina in studio with his Houston Chronicle. Along those lines. I
5: can't wait until I'll kill half the population of Cuba along, <laughs> yeah. uh, along those lines. Become Thanos.
2: yeah Thanos, yeah. Along those lines, I think when any defensive coach, whether it's D'Amico Ryans or anybody else, had been hired, if it were Jonathan Gannon or Jero mm-hmm. Ivero or anybody, you'd go, okay, they hired a defensive guy as coach. Does this change the calculus at all on the second overall pick in the draft? Are they could they lean Will Anderson now because it's a defensive coach? Or this D'Amico, I thought, had a great anecdote yesterday that I want to play about being in the war room in San Francisco. That he talked. To, it was a six round pick, but I think it's applicable maybe to the conversations from the top to the bottom of the draft. Here was D'Amico Ryan's on a story where he talked about what he wanted, but then the greater good of the team is what ended up winning out.
3: It's me being in the draft room for, the, for my first year as a defensive coordinator, right? And I'm looking there, and I'm a former linebacker, and, man, I want to get some backers. I want to get – this is my first draft. I want to draft some linebackers. And, you know, we're at a point in the draft, sixth round, where we're there, and there are like two linebackers there on the draft board for us. And I'm, I'm like, ah, I really want a linebacker, but I also know, right, that do we – is this the right thing for our team? Right, so we look at a highlight tape, it's pop this running back up and it's Elijah Mitchell. Right? They pop his highlight tape up and we're I'm watching him and I'm like, Wow, man, this dude is fast. This dude can help us. Right? I know I want the linebacker selfishly, but I see a running back who can truly help our team. And so I say, Kyle, let's take the running back. Right. And that's what I've learned about being in this position. It's not about egos, it's not about being selfish, it's about Doing the right things for the team, and we do the right things for the team. That's how you build a successful successful program.
5: Um, Brooks, we were talking about this off air, and you had a, a good question, which was kind of like, okay, how much how much does a defensive coach or coordinator or like a linebackers coach have input into that kind of stuff? It was a sixth round. It does it at that, at that stage in the draft. A lot of times, people are kind of getting the position coaches' actual opinion mm-hmm. on various guys and um, and trying to. I, like in an open and collaborative environment, guys yeah. are honest about it. That is, and it, it, like, so many front offices are. There's just such a big diversity, and I think people in their minds always go to the soap opera version of it, to where everybody must be trying to get the other guy or trying to trying to get power over somebody else. And a lot of them just simply aren't like that. Like if you've got a good environment, it is collaborative. Yeah. And, and it sounds like, it sounds like D'Amico has been in some good collaborative environments as a coach, which is, um, which is cool because it's better than getting somebody that's come from like the, uh, like the Greg Williams school of doing things. Yes. Yes. I'm Just looking stabbing at that people in the kidneys, every chance you get I'm trying to
2: find who the linebacker might've been. There weren't that many linebackers drafted after Elijah Mitchell, that draft, you know, who's drafted with the very next pick. Roy Lopez.
5: Oh yeah, yeah. Maybe you thought Roy Lopez was a linebacker <laughs> because he's so tiny. <laughs> he's so small,
2: yeah,
4: yeah. exactly, I, exactly. And but with whether D'Amico Ryan's hire changes how they ultimately do the number two overall pick with a quarterback or a defensive player, I, I don't think that D'Amico Ryan's or Nick Casario even know right now exactly who they're going to pick with that. I agree and with that. I, I, yeah, I think throughout this process they're going to like evaluate all these players, and y'all get a chance to ask him. If y'all can nail him down on the number two pick. That'd be great. We'll and try radio history. Cool. To get that going, <laughs> but um, I, I just I think about the timing. I'm I'm always about parallels in some ways because that's all you really have to speculate. But D'Amico Ryan's experience in 2006, they get an offensive-minded first-time head coach and Gary Kubiak. They need a quarterback. They're trying to figure out David Carr, and he had come in and said that he could work with him too. But you also can prepare for the future. They didn't draft a quarterback. They went Mario Williams, and then they went Miko Ryan's. So they went defensive players early in the draft to help build what they had. Um, and you look at the team right now, and then the, later on, what did they do? They traded for Michael Vick's backup, who ended up being the best quarterback the Texans had up until Deshaun Watson. So there are other ways the Texans can go about the quarterback position, and you can make parallels and say, like, okay, Derek is available. Maybe that's a possibility. If you have Bobby Slowick and then Jimmy Garoppolo's around, you want to sign – there are other ways that maybe don't sound very popular right now, but, I mean – from my takeaway with D'Amico Ryan's in that story is that he's open to those conversations. And I I pointed out and I remembered whenever he started saying collaborative, working together, doing it the right way with the right people. And then Nick Casario saying, amen. Yeah. There's that connection between those two that I think they're going to be uh, helpful to each other.
5: Yep. You know, um, you mentioned that 2006 draft. Yeah. Uh, Jay Cutler. I just remember watching. remember the mic'd up where uh, the, they were playing the Broncos. And, uh, and during warm-ups, Kubiak was just like, look at the whip on that kid. Oh, my gosh. Like, this is like marvel- marveling at Jay Cutler throwing yeah. the football. Yeah, yeah. Like, man, that was uh, – if he had to go back. <laughs> who knows how Cutler would have been with Kubiak. Yeah, seriously. Smoking cigarettes all <laughs> Uh
2: Brooks, what do you got going on this weekend in the Chronicle?
4: Well, more on D'Amico Ryan. has got a chance to uh, enter the fray of uh, former Texans football players and uh, get a lot of – Stories about D'Amico, about the timing, about the oh, context of this moment for the Texans and where they're moving forward. I mean, D'Amico Ryan seems, uh, I mean, he said it himself, this is his dream job, just kind of building around that the stories that led up to this moment. Talked to a lot of guys, and it'll be, it'll be a fun story. You Can't should call it, it an expose. An expose, all yeah. the bad things people yeah. have found. I'm uh, nah, <laughs> not, not as, not a single thing. He everybody forgot was, to
5: tip his barber once.
4: <laughs> uh, what if somebody wrote it that way, like little, little tiny things? Oh, but like Sean with the and Just. I had
5: an article written about us that was, I saw that yeah. last week. Yeah, yeah, that was complete. Okay, so and I
4: listened to that interview too. So okay, I think so it's you
5: knew that it. if you had read it. Yeah, you would have thought, like, oh, my gosh, this Seth Payne is really put <laughs> I mean, out, he right? Is, yeah, yeah, when yeah. But I was just joking the whole
4: time. Right. I'm going to steal your uh, – you know what? That's a good – and I like but, that from him because he's like, you know what? If some people might finagle, like think that, oh yeah, I've already thought of that. He's like, no, I didn't think about it. I'm going to steal that and use that the rest of my interviews. He had <laughs> used it verbatim the rest of the way. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, awesome. Yeah, so
5: it's, it's crazy. So when we see the D'Amico Ryan's expose this weekend, you guys will have credit. You'll have stolen my idea. There, there and, you go, uh, and not credited it. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Hey
2: Brooks, great piece too on the four big needs for the Texans. That Appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, that was if, if you can go find it. Uh, the people can go to the. Houston, uh, Houston chronicle.com and go get that right and
4: Jonathan Alexander will be writing about Derek Stingley got a chance to catch up with him oh good so he was there and uh you know they obviously uh D'Amico Ryan's talked about him first and uh, along with Jalen Peach and Christian Harris so a lot of people wondering how he'll fit in that defense and get a chance to hear from him too
2: so we'll, we'll have that cut for you coming out of the top of the hour that was cool to hear D'Amico talk about specific guys on the defensive side of the ball, really get you thinking and get you excited about next year. Brooks, great stuff. Keep up the great work. We'll see you uh we'll see you next week. See you guys. All right, there it is. Brooks Cabina, Houston Chronicle. Go find his stuff on uh on the Chronicle website there. Brooks Cabina
5: at B Cabina on uh Twitter. I'm glad he mentioned Derek Stingley, because Derek Stingley was wearing a hoodie that said politics on it. Yeah. And I was sitting next to Whitney. I was like, Whitney, I'd like am I just really old? I don't know. What is is—is that a brand or is that a statement or something? And Whitney was like, I don't know. I'm getting old too, man. I don't know. Oh, crap. So now I got to I say the yeah. same question. <laughs> it's a uh, sneakerpolitics.com
2: Okay. Well, there you go. Uh, all right. Up next, we have Nick Casario coming up bottom of the hour, seven 30. The Texans GM will join us. We'll get his thoughts on yesterday, the off season things moving forward. Um, and up next more from D'Amico Ryan's Jalen Petrie, Derek Stingley, Christian Harris, all specifically named by the Texans new head coach yesterday. You'll hear that next.